and welcome everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman, and I'm here with uh, Clint Poppy and Adam Olean. Gentlemen, good to be with you. What a glorious day, huh? Yeah, it is. It is. It's good to be here. Good to be here. Thank you. I know uh, you guys are busy. I know things you've got going on, so thanks for taking the time to record. Um, I hope the listeners are edified by this. I want to briefly, before we go back to uh, Suffered Under Pontius Pilate, where we left off last week, now, I wanted to broach a, a topic that is on everybody's mind, and it has to do with the shootings that go on in this country uh, on too regular of a basis. And um, what, what uh, interests me on this discussion, and I'm sure the same is with you, is that when people comment on this, all the talking heads on TV and the radio, et cetera, is they miss, they miss the fundamental issue of what the problem is. And it's spelled S-I-N. And if you want to put an adjective in front of it, you can say original sin. And my point in, in bringing this up is uh, when you miss this point, then you're going to miss the proper, um, uh, what's the right way, a solution for lack of a better term here, or preventative, if you will. Again, what I'm trying to say is, is when, when you can't say that the problem is the person who's a sinner, uh, then there's no need for the gospel and the application of our Lord's dying for these people and atoning for for all sin including this and so this is this is just missing what do you guys think yeah i think that's a big part of it and i think even beyond that the specific uh nature of what our society is doing to men as a result of sin we if we take christ out of the picture then we no longer have the man par excellence that sets the example for how we live as well so our sinful natures get the best of us and I think too radical feminism uh, is a part of this as well where we we constantly tell men that um, they shouldn't be men that being man's bad and things like that and it builds up and it comes out in this terrible way the sin does and so I think there's lots of things that do that and underlying it all is this sinful nature that we have which goes back to Genesis chapter 3 you know Clint uh, real quickly uh, uh I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've probably heard this, but I think the, the, one of the major statistics that comes through with these shooters is that they didn't have a father. Is that correct? I've seen, I've seen those statistics as well. Um, and, you know, what the media has before us when is When I say a, they didn't have a father, I mean they didn't have a father yeah, at home. They yeah. didn't, have a, didn't have a father at home, single parent yeah. or raised in the streets or whatever. We get a really skewed statistic when we're talking specifically about these shootings, because we have shootings go on every day. We have shootings go on in Chicago every weekend. Many more people are killed in Chicago than at these mass murders or mass shootings that we're talking about. And uh, uh, because those don't fit the narrative, and what I mean, uh, those kind of shootings, especially in Chicago, um, there was a shooting at a football game in Alabama last week. Didn't hear anything about that on the media. It was black-on-black shooting. And that does not fit the media narrative right now because everything has to be racist. And um, uh, getting back to your original question, Brent, uh, there is no such thing as sin anymore. And it's not only with regard to the shootings. In every aspect it of is life. In it? every aspect of life. Yeah. When you talk about the um, uh, trans movement, transgender movement, well, up until a few years ago, there was a malady called gender dysphoria. Right. 
and that was considered uh, a a problem. And if you want to think about uh, think about things as Christians do with regard to sin, yeah, um, that there is sin involved, whether you can help it or not. Uh, alcoholism, we talked about that before. Um, there is sin involved. There may be a, a malady of some kind too, a physical or mental malady. When you talk about abortion, you know, when the abortion advocates started uh, when I was young, back in the early 70s, and this became very popular, no one was saying abortion was good. Up until a few years ago, everyone would say, we want to keep abortion uh, safe, legal, and rare. But now, what's the big thing uh, in, the, in the media? You have to celebrate your abortions. Alyssa Milano, oh, I would not be able to have the happy life that I have now if I wouldn't have had my uh, two ab- abortions. Uh, a- Amy Brent- Brenneman, I think that's uh, how you pronounce her name, she just came out earlier this week, and she said, uh, I have absolutely no regrets with regard to my abortion. And so we've seen the narrative quickly but very subtly shift. Because up until 10, 20, 30 years ago, these things were considered as bad or maybe even sinful, but tolerated. Now, we've moved beyond the toleration of something bad or sinful, and we have to celebrate it. And if you don't celebrate it, you are the evil one. The only sin out there is to not celebrate everybody else's sin. And I think it goes back to what we said already, because what we've done then is we've removed God from the picture. We've removed his word. We've created our own standards of right or wrong, and we're seeing what terrible fruit that actually uh, reaps when we think we can become our own God. And this goes all the way back then to original sin, Genesis 3. Um you know, all these things that are going on right now are basically the things God promised would happen when Adam and Eve didn't listen to God's word and instead ate the fruit that was forbidden. This reminds me of a, a parable, or not parable, pardon me, of a, an account. I think it's recorded in Luke's gospel, isn't it? Where you have Jesus who meets this uh, guy that's in the Gadarene region and he lives among the tombs and he's demon possessed and... Uh, uh, you can't you can't bind the guy, you know. And uh, my point in all of this is uh, here's here's another thing that can't be said is there's you can't say that there's sin involved, and secondly you can't say that Satan's involved either. And I, I would contend that this is another issue that's involved here is Satan is at work here in all of this, and doing his dirty work, murdering. He's a murderer, and uh, he's using all of this uh, to continue to do his work. And, of course, then absent Christ from sin and sinners. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that up so that people, you know, they, when they listen to this on the TV and the radio and you hear all the talking heads talk about what the solution is, they, they never bring up what we just talked about. Well, we have to diagnose the problem. And then the church is there and pastors are there to help these people in their specific ways. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if there's a mental health issue that we, we certainly want the professionals to help these people as well because those are God's first article gifts. But uh, uh, this this stuff is just it just constantly eats away at me. 
and and keep going with that, Pastor, uh, because if someone does speak like we do on this program, if someone does speak an authoritative word from the Bible, which we believe is teach and confess is the word of God, God's revealed word to us. If we do speak a word of right and wrong, a word that there is a God and that evil does exist, if we if we speak clearly on these things, we are considered the terrorists. We are considered the the ones who are tearing our nation apart or right. the dividing ones. Um, was uh, Bernie Sanders came out earlier this week or late last week, and he said, anyone who denies climate change has no business being an elected official in Washington. And so now we have a new litmus test, according to Bernie Sanders, and that if you deny climate change, uh, then then you are not worthy and um, you you uh, you are you, you are you are the evil one well it's a, it's the gnostic cult it it is the, and it changes yeah. it changes every week yeah. you know you can't keep up with all the rules about um, you know what things you can say or what things you can't say uh, when secular you secular phariseeism sec- yeah i think that's a good way to say it this this is exactly right where you have man made rules which have become infallible and divine. And uh, this is the new religion. And again, it's nothing new. And of course, to be persecuted in this way, whether you're in politics or in the church, it is to be expected. And I, and I think we need to, we need to take a, a cue from the faithful preachers who have gone before us. I've been reading a lot of uh, uh, sermons from the first Lutheran Hour speaker, Walter A. Meyer. And he was not afraid to speak to the evils of the day. He would speak about the evils of war and yet at the same time speak about being a patriotic citizen. He would speak about the sins or the maladies that were going on worldwide and what a proper Christian response should be or could be. And I think we need to, we need to repent of the fact that we've been too quiet in this regard, and we need to speak boldly and clearly. Let me just give you an example. You hear a lot in the news that no one is above the law, right? And when you hear that, who are they attacking? You and me. Uh, They're attacking President Trump primarily. (laughs) Well, and and if you're a supporter of him, then you're attacking. Yes, Yes. uh, or Republicans in general. Right. And yet, what is the mainstay of many of the, well, I would say all of the people who uh, are running for president on the Democratic uh, ticket, but with regard to immigration and illegal illegal immigrants, there is no law. Or they say we need to break the law. Or Or violate it. Or violate the law, or... uh, That laws don't apply, or whatever. And so everybody's above the law. And then nobody's above the law. Uh, I can't keep track. And if you're on the wrong side of this, then you're accused of being on the wrong side of history. I, and I, to add and piggyback on what you're saying, the question is where does the law come from, right? Um, our Constitution and even um, 
the the Declaration of Independence, I think, says it well, kind of gives us a picture into the mindset of how our nation works. The law rules our, our government is the way it's supposed to work, and the law then has a source uh, that comes from somewhere else, and that is what's been revealed to us uh, by our Creator. Um, that's where the rights and freedoms that we have are supposed to find their source and norm. And when we take the creator out, then we don't have inalienable rights. Instead, then it becomes a very pragmatic, what's going to work for our nation? How are we going to do things? Which then lowers the law so that, you know, um, some people should be above the law because they're just important people and some people should not be. And so we have things like uh, Jim Comey took classified documents out of the FBI and kept them at his house and, and released them to reporters uh, against the law, but he's not going to be prosecuted for it because he was in an important position at the time, and he's an important person for political reasons right now for a particular party. And I want to be completely fair about it. It goes both ways in this regard. Both parties do this against each other, if they can. So this takes us then to Jesus, who suffered under Pontius Pilate. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who took the sin of the world in his, in his body and died for it and atoned for it. <laughs> and this is, this is the church's proclamation. Lest, lest people who are listening to our little uh, get-together here today think that we're just talking politics. No, we, these are just simply illustrations of the fact of why God sent his son to die. Because this is a world full of sinners whose sin... They, they've got it down pat. They've got it down professionally. It's called the old Adam, the old sinful nature. Oh, and I hear the music, which means we're going to have to take a break. So when we come back, I want to talk more about what it means that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. And we'll go to Luke's gospel. So hang on tight, folks. at noon on KNNA. You are listening to KNNA LP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Again, this is Table Talk. I'm Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Adam Moline and Clint Poppy. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. The Apostles' Creed confesses that biblical truth. And uh, we go to Luke's Gospel just for the sake of the discussion here. Uh, we, 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 we talked about this uh, last week. We read some of this, but I want to re- reread it again. You remember when Jesus delivered Barabbas, set him free, and handed Jesus over to be crucified. Uh, that is a, that's an image of the Gospel right there in miniature where... The, uh, the condemned one is set free. The criminal is set free and is declared innocent. That's you and me. And Jesus, the Holy One, the one who's never sinned, is condemned to die. 
This is the gospel in miniature, which is Paul's, Paul picks up on this in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says, God made him, namely Jesus, who knew no sin, knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might have the righteousness of God. So that's the sweet swap. Jesus takes our sin and all of its damnation. The innocent one does. And, and in exchange, he gives us his holiness, his purity, his righteousness. So if there's no sin, Pastor, as we talked about in our first <laughs> segment, if there is no such thing as sin, then what's the point of Jesus? Exactly. Uh, I, I guess what you, what you have is what you, what you see, and I'm speaking in general to make my point. Generally speaking, in the, uh, in the uh, mainline denominations and even in Roman Catholicism, Jesus is, is the example to follow for social justice or to create a social justice utopia. L- watch very carefully how the progressive politicians who won't let you quote the Bible or uh, a Republican quote the Bible, all of a sudden when they have, when they have something they want to push, they'll quote the Bible. And it's that kind of a Jesus, the social justice, uh, gay pride, gay transitioning, etc. Jesus. That's Pete, the only use. Pete Buttigieg. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus wouldn't condemn this. Uh, and Pete Buttigieg would say that. He wouldn't condemn my lifestyle and my marriage to my, my, my male uh, counterpart. He's a loving, loving God. Well, and this gets back to, again, uh, God works two ways. He kills and makes alive. And he kills the sinner. He kills the old Adam through the preaching of the law. And that's what's being denied. And that's the temptation of the church is to not preach the law lawfully. As Paul says, we need to preach the law in order to kill the old Adam so that God can raise up a new creation from the dead, spelled F-A-I-T-H. All right? But if we, if we diminish the suffering of Jesus on the cross as gift as gift for sinners for sinners we are really gutting you don't have Christianity anymore yeah you you don't have Christianity and then you hear outrageous things by these same social justice warriors that would say the Christian gospel is nothing more than divine child abuse right Right. Um, when 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 you say child abuse, they mean they mean this. They they'd say, well, that God the Father would send His Son to die, even though He never committed any sin. He was totally innocent, and yet the Father punished Him in the place of sinners. Yeah, that's what they mean by divine child abuse. And so and so here we are. There there is no aspect of the person and work of Jesus Christ that is unimportant. Uh, every piece fits together beautifully, and I'll uh, I'll quote. Uh, Pastor Brent Kuhlman sitting across the table from me. It's the whole enchilada. Well, and so Jesus is delivered over by Pilate to be crucified. Let's not forget that he was flogged. And we we had this discussion off air. You remember the Mel Gibson movie, yes, The Passion yes. of the Christ, where, what is it, almost 20, 30 minutes? I forget, 15 minutes? I, I don't remember. It's been a long I'm not time. sure how long. It's, it seems like an hour and a half but the flogging, as you're watching it. Yeah. Let's put it this way. The flogging of our Lord Jesus Christ is really emphasized in this movie. Graphically. And I think rightly so. Um, On the one hand, our Lord suffered immense physical pain when he suffered under Pontius Pilate, and that cannot be minimized. And at the same time, this physical pain that he suffers in our place is a result of the world's sin and our sin. And so he also suffers in another way, Not not just physically, but he suffers spiritually, if I can put it that way. And here's what I'm talking about. Jesus knows he's never sinned. Jesus knows he's the Holy One, the Son of God. And he knows that he will suffer for the sin of the world. Now, think about this. 
this comes to a climax right before he dies, recorded in Matthew's gospel when he, when he prays Psalm 22, par- pardon me, Psalm 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 22. 22. Yeah, yeah, you had it right the first time. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so Jesus, will he trust the Father in this? Yes, he does. And, but this is, this is tremendous spiritual anguish. Remember when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, if, if it's possible, Father, take this cup away from me, but not my will, yours. So there's the physical and then there's the spiritual. Will he trust his father to do what he promises even in death and this immense suffering? Namely, to continue to be his father and to use his son <laughs> to atone for the sin of the world in this particular way. Uh, so that, and again, when Jesus is tempted, when he's hanging on the cross, when he's tempted by Satan again, Remember, Luke says that after his baptism, he was tempted in the wilderness, and Jesus combated Satan with the word of God, and Satan left. And Luke records that Satan looked for another opportune time. I would contend that it's on the cross that you have this opportune time for another temptation of Jesus. And, of course, what is the temptation? Come down, and then we'll believe in you. Save yourself if you are the Son of God. Yeah, save if you yourself. trust in him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a tremendous spiritual agony. So you have both here. Suffering under Pontius Pilate is both physical, immense physical pain, and also immense a spiritual temptation and pain. Now, Luther talked about Anfaktung or Anfaktungen. Uh, this is what's going on here with Jesus. And, and it's very real. And, you know, I, I don't think Pastor Moline is probably old enough to remember the, the big hullabaloo that was around the movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, about, oh, I don't know, 30, 35 years ago. I now. was on Vicarage when that was uh, and, on. And uh, this, was, this was a huge, huge debate in Christianity. And, you know, uh, and so, you know, your words are spot on, Pastor. Uh, the, the anguish of Jesus, this last temptation of Christ as he hung on the cross. The, uh, I don't want our hearers to think, oh, I better go out and see that movie then to see what that's all about. Because the movie is trash. And uh, the mo- the movie does not, I mean, it takes that title and it takes that theme, but it does not portray biblically the last temptation of Christ. And so um, save your money. Don't watch it on uh, cable. It's a, it's a horrific movie. And uh, stick to the main plot, God's word right here, Gospel of Luke especially. The Hebrews teaches us in Hebrews 4, I'm looking at verse 15, we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, a lot of people will, will hear this verse and they'll say, well, that was no big deal. I mean, Jesus was God, so he could withstand the temptation just like that. No problem at all. But we forget that he's also true man. And as the second last Adam, remember Adam, the first Adam was tempted and he caved. He caved. Jesus is tempted numerous times, constant. Let's put it constantly by the devil through the devil's instruments, whether it's an apostle or the crowd standing below the, the cross, etc. So... Uh, when, when people say, well, yeah, it was easy. He was God. Well, let's, uh, he's also a true man. And so as true man, he suffered all the temptations that we do and more. And it's worse because he endured them to the full. Me, I give into the temptations like that. Jesus, no. He endures the temptations to their full. And that's why then the text says in Hebrews in verse 16, then let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help 
in time of need. So when the creed confesses the biblical truth that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, then that teaches us that Jesus suffers for us and for our salvation as pure gift, the atoning sacrifice for the sin of the world, including yours. And therefore, you can approach him and say, help, 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 help. And he's there with help. Have mercy on me. Yes. We sing it in Matins, yeah. and I think it was our gospel lesson last week where the... Uh, tax collector the publican is in the temple and says lord have mercy on me a sinner yeah that's our same prayer now that's jesus as gift now let's not forget that peter when he talks about the suffering of jesus made the good confession before pilate remember that and and remember peter talks about the suffering of jesus as an example for us to follow okay so jesus is gift in the scriptures and that's the primary preaching of jesus gift for salvation but also at the same time, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're going to suffer in some way, shape, or form, whether it's the federal government that's going to come after you or it might be a relative that may come after you. <laughs> it's the devil, the world, etc. But you're going to suffer, and you have to learn how to suffer like Jesus. And so I want to go ahead, Adam. I mean, you, you hinted at it here just to say it clearly part of that suffering is making the good confession in the face of state pressure and things like that. Yeah, we see yeah. that again with Paul yeah. in Philippi where he's wrongly arrested. And so he makes the governor, the ruler, the mayor, I don't know what the right term would be in that particular case, come out and publicly apologize to him for arresting him wrongly um, <laughs> for the sake of the gospel to make the good confession about who Jesus is and why he came. Right, right. Just to, to finish this point is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, one who confesses Jesus, will, will suffer in, in one way, shape, or form. And what I fear in this country is it's, it's going to come not only from within the church itself. That's another aspect we haven't talked about so much. But, but uh, seriously, uh, for a pastor to be faithful to the word of God, you, you, should, you should expect opposition and persecution not only from unbelievers— in all those vocations in which they live, but you should also expect persecution from within, which is to say from within the church as well, because Antichrist reigns in the church. <laughs> he takes his seat in the temple of God, Paul says in Second Thessalonians 2. And so I, I've experienced this as a pastor in the church, is uh, my most vehement opponents are not necessarily the unbelievers in my community. It's been within the church itself. Um, I was listening to a Bible study on uh, KNNA just last week that Pastor Kuhlman was teaching on the uh, Fifth Commandment. And uh, he confessed before God and our <laughs> listening audience that he breaks the Fifth Commandment all the time because of the uh, hate in his heart. And the people that he hates the most are fellow clergy uh, who backbite and undermine uh, the word of God. And I think in our time that we have left, if you could expand or explain what you meant when you said that, because it ties in directly with what we're talking about here. Well, you mean in what way I've been persecuted by the church? Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. How brother pastors could possibly persecute another pastor? Well, uh, one, I'll give you two examples. One would be to extol the things that our Lord has mandated to be, a, be done in the church for the church to be the church. <laughs> this is one of the most amazing things I've ever, ever discovered as a pastor. I got over my romantic dream of what it meant to be a pastor and to be a pastor in the church real quick. 
because we were taught by our professors, rightly so at the seminary, that for the church to be church, you need to do the things that our Lord has mandated to be done. And what is that? Baptize, teach, and not just teach what you want, but everything that the Lord has commanded. You have to Lord's Supper, Matthew 26. You need to make sure the office of the keys are used, Matthew 16, Matthew 18, John 20. You you need to make sure that the gospel is proclaimed, Mark 16. You need to make sure that repentance for the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed, Luke 24, etc. Got it? Okay. So all of a sudden, when I would start extolling the Lord's Supper and say, you know, this is a good gift from the Lord. Why don't you guys take it? All of a sudden, the clergy in my uh, circuit got nervous. Or if if I would emphasize absolution, namely the spoken word of forgiveness, all of a sudden, the clergy in my area got really nervous. Oh, and all of a sudden, enough. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there were meetings being held behind my back to get Pastor Kuhlman out of the ministry because he's, quote, Roman Catholic. He has these Romanizing tendencies. And all I was doing was emphasizing what our Lord has mandated to be done for the church to be the church. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And so... That's uh, Antichrist uh, when and, that's opposed. And so, you know, we're just about out of time, Pastor. And so expecting suffering even in the pastoral ministry expecting suffering is part of the way of a christian that's right that's right and so we have to learn how to suffer namely to let it be let it be and that's that's another topic embrace the death i heard you (laughs) say well i hope this was helpful for you in the meantime stay lutheran my friends